who knocks. Huh? Huh? Oh, no. <laughs> Why don't you do something with your life? You contribute nothing to society. Good morning, Vietnam! Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? You know my code. Hose before bros. You can't handle the truth! Buzz your girlfriend. Woof. Nobody calls me mad dog. Especially not some dooted up egg sucking gutter trash. Hello and welcome to My First Time, the podcast all about the gaps in our pop culture resume. Each episode, our panel sits down to debate, dispute and discuss a much-loved classic. And they'll be joined by the first timer, someone who's never before experienced that cultural icon. Will the first timer see what the fuss is all about or just be left wondering what the hell was that? My name is Dan and I'm joined each and every week by Eden. Hello. Aiden. Present. And this week, we are tripping down the hallways of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining with our first-timer, Kerry Collins, teacher, mother, bachelor lover. <laughs> How are you, Kerry? I'm good. How are you? I am really good. Uh, tell us why you chose to view The Shining. Well, on occasion, my husband has come at me with a finger Saying, (laughs) (laughs) making the little worm going red rum. Explicit warning. warning. (laughs) What it was all about. Oh, yeah, well, there's only one way to find out what red rum, red rum, and the finger is all about. Let's, uh, Let's take a little trip down memory lane and have a. Little intro about The Shining. Most famous for its catchphrase, Here's Johnny! The Shining is a slow burning, taut, and twisting portrayal of madness, family, isolation, and dark supernatural forces. The movie tells the story of struggling writer Jack Torrance, played by Jack Nicholson, who takes a job as the caretaker for a Snowfields hotel, The Overlook, closed for the dangerously dark and stormy winters. Jack is accompanied by his wife Wendy and young son Danny, who are both living in the shadow of Jack's forceful personality and alcoholism. Arriving at the Overlook Hotel, Jack is greeted by a cheery manager who feels compelled to tell Jack that a few years earlier, a previous caretaker went mad from cabin fever and slaughtered his family with an axe before turning a shotgun on himself. Jack laughs it off, takes the job, and hopes to write a great book while basically being cut off from society. From there, things get decidedly creepy. The Overlook Hotel is not the cheery holiday village it seems. Danny, who claims to have a small boy who lives inside his mouth and tells him things about the future, has frightening visions of blood-soaked corridors and begins seeing the murdered caretaker's daughters around the hotel. He's met upon arrival by the hotel's head chef, Dick Halloran, who communicates to Danny through their shared telepathic ability, what Dick calls the shining. Months go past and slowly the mental state of the willfully trapped inhabitants begin to unravel. Jack starts having visions, visitations, hallucinations, whatever you want to call them, of his own, and the ghost of the previous caretaker compels Jack to destroy his family in the same manner as he once did. 
feeling the evil in the air from his summer home. Head chef Dick the Shining Halloran arrives back at the hotel in a giant snowplow to investigate, but his good intentions end in a bloody death as Jack hacks into his chest with an axe. From there, the movie begins its final set piece as Jack chases his family through the hotel's giant hedge mage before Jack finally succumbs to injury and the biting cold, allowing Wendy and Danny to escape in the slaughtered Dick's snowmobile. At The Shining's release, Stanley Kubrick's already impressive resume included films such as Spartacus, 2001 A Space Odyssey, A Clockwork Orange and Doctor Strangelove, but that didn't help to win over the critics and like many movies that go on to be considered groundbreaking, The Shining had a really mixed reception, mostly criticised for its slow pacing. And unbelievably, it earned Kubrick a nomination for Worst Director at the very first ever Razzie Awards. And Stephen King, who wrote the novel upon which the movie was based, was highly critical at first, though was wavered a bit from grudging respect to mild disappointment and back in the years since. Today, though, the film enjoys widespread acclaim after years of reappraisal from film critics and is considered by many as one of the finest horror films of all time. But what did today's first-timer think? Is The Shining a razor's edge journey down the hallways of madness or just as dull and long as the winter months it portrays? Kerry, (laughs) over to you. What was your take on The Shining? Well... It was terrifying. (laughs) Good. I'm so glad that you said that. I I was uh, skeptical to begin with. You know, like it first starts out and it's pretty slow. Um, Had you watched much horror before? No, I'm not into horror at all. So what's funny? Pick this film because I hate horror as well, and I'm so annoyed that I had to watch it. Because there was this big list of movies to pick. Yep. And I picked three, and then I realised that two of them I'd already seen. I didn't know <laughs> that, that was the rule. So I went with The Shining, and then obviously, you know, Ben has, in the past, he's gone, rag ram, a couple of times. Like, what's that from? And he's told me it's from The Shining. Uh huh. So I went, oh, this would be good. Bit of context on that for those that uh, haven't seen The Shining. Uh, that's what little Danny's doing uh, <laughs> yeah. near no, the sorry, end of the movie. Tony, Tony, like, the, moving finger. Tony yeah, the boy in his mouth his finger speaks up and down. through his finger or something. <laughs> and he writes red rum on the door, which, of course, when you see it in the mirror, spells murder. Did you only work it out when you saw it in the mirror? Absolutely. I had no idea. Yeah. I worked it out. As soon as he'd written two letters, I was like... E-R. What other... Oh, so it's probably spelling something backwards. It's murder. Well, then he uh, writes that the capital R clever. is backwards as well. Exactly. Really yeah. Obvious. Yeah. Um, yeah, see, I was watching that and I was like, oh, that is so stereotypical to get a child to write a letter backwards. <laughs> it's like such fake child writing. Like a Toys R Us logo. Yeah. 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 Bullcrap. <laughs> but I love, I love a psychological thriller. I'm glad you said that because I reckon today, if The Shining was released today, I don't think anyone would really call it a horror film. No. It's not. It's, it's not. borderline. It, I think it's it's only a few elements towards the end of the film that cross it over from thriller to horror, mm. and it's the elements that are the supernatural that you mentioned in the opener that make it horror. Mm. Because up until that, it's really just a crazy guy that wants to kill his family, and <laughs> we've all been there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but at the end, it becomes a little bit of ghosts and and possession and things, and that's when it kind of crosses the line to horror for me anyway. Speaking of which, I'm going to look here at you, Eden, because I know that you have fully loved this as me. Yeah. The way that you don't... It made me think of Legion. Oh, yeah. The the recent Noah Hawley uh, TV show. 
uh, sort of loosely based in the X-Men world about a guy battling with mental illness, but he's actually got superpowers and telepathy and he's possessed and all this sort of crazy stuff. But the, the reason it made me think of it a lot is that... When you watch Legion, you don't know what is actually true, what's yeah. really happened, what's in the past, what's in the future. And The Shining has that real disconcerting, like, what's real? Like, is that boy really hearing voices? Mm. Is Jack actually seeing a bartender? Is it all in his head? And yeah. it was well, a trip. Watching it this time round, uh, I've, I've seen The Shining so many times, but and I generally think, you know, oh, yeah, some supernatural elements at play. But this time watching it, I kind of just thought, no, this is all just in his head. Mm. Like, I kind of thought the whole time, mm. psychological problems, <laughs> which, which made it, like, you know, again, an interesting new take on a movie that I've seen a billion times. So in which case, is it a movie of different people's psychological problems? Like, is it all in Danny's head? I don't know. There is a sequel that Stephen King wrote. Yes, uh, I read about that. Yeah, a book. Yeah. yeah, which I haven't read. I haven't read the original. About an adult show. Danny. About an adult Danny. Dr. Sleep, I think it's yes, called. Yes, that's yeah. right. So, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm sort of, every time I watch the movie, I keep kind of seeing different bits to it. Well, I mentioned in the opener that Stephen King was not that happy with The Shining at first because he felt it underplayed the supernatural elements. Yeah. Well, apparently in the book, Jack Nicholson's character is a little bit more straight-laced and not so much of a jerk, yeah. whereas in the film he's just portrayed as someone you want to hate. The book, he's actually, it's more of a possession. Yeah. That, it, that You notice the dramatic change from straight-laced Jack, that's the writer that's looking after the thing, to the crazy guy chasing his family down with an axe for no apparent reason. <laughs> do, do, you, uh, do you have any opinions on Jack Nicholson, Kerry? Are you a oh, fan of Jack? Yeah, I do. I think he's got the perfect eyebrows. Oh, I really thought you were going to say art. Then. <laughs> <laughs> for, for this kind of character. Yeah, I wrote that down in my notes, actually. I said, you wouldn't hire anyone with those eyebrows <laughs> to work in a, in a place that sends people insane. Like, those eyebrows are on the brink. Yeah, yeah. when they were casting it, was, it came down to him or John Howard. And they went, oh, John Howard hasn't done much TV work or <laughs> movies, true. so, you know. I wrote it in my notes as well. Jack Nicholson, dash, perfect asshole eyebrows. Well, like, oh, yeah. Stephen King hated the casting of Jack Nicholson. That was one of his big things. He thought that Jack Nicholson was too crazy. He wanted someone. He wanted someone likable. He wanted someone likable. He yeah. actually, uh, he actually wanted Robin Williams in the role. There was uh, three or four people. Robin Williams was one. John Voight was another. Or Harrison Ford. And I was like, nah. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was made before uh, The Shining. Yes. So he probably already had that stigma as being able to, you know, portray crazy people. Mm. And plus the eyebrows. Yeah, exactly. You know. It's a perfect combo. Yeah. Plus, I was also watching this movie, having seen him in other movies, you know, made after this. And he does have like a distinct sort of... He's, he plays a, a wacky guy. Oh, yeah. Well, we've talked about this on the podcast before. When was the first time that you saw a certain actor and you always remembered them from that character? What was it for yourself? I can't remember the name of the movie. and It's really... It's called Batman. <laughs> well, I never it was for me. Oh, that yeah. was mine. Mine was too, mine too. <laughs> Wait, sorry. Can... No, no, no. We just, skipped, we just talked over a very in- important bit of information then. <laughs> Did you say you've never seen Batman? Mm, not that Any one. Batman? Again, oh. why did we watch The Shining and we should have watched Batman? <laughs> oh, Batman would have been awesome. <laughs> Go I away and watch Batman. Oh, <laughs> Carrie, please. God, my daughter's obsessed with Batman. I'm not into it. I'm so over it. But what Batman is she obsessed with? Oh, <laughs> True. She, she's obsessed with Lego Batman. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> 
And for all of our um, listeners that don't live in South Australia, that's Lego. Oh, <laughs> no, no, I don't, I'm going to, I don't know apologies from you, Victorian. <laughs> we say it correctly. Okay, so what was the first film? I cut I you off. I think it was um, oh, a Nancy Myers film. So it's not. What, sort of along the line. Well, okay, we're talking about we Father talking... of the Bride style oh. movies. It's his, him and Diane Keaton. Oh, um, oh yeah, not, I know the oh, one. What is it? Possibly not the first movie I saw him in, but the one I remember. Was it where he's having an affair with her daughter. Yes. Was, was it A Few Good Men? No. Mars, <laughs> Mars Attacks? As good as it gets. No, it's no, not as no, good no, as it no, gets. No, about no, Similar-ish. Oh, about sort of Schmidt. I can't remember. No, no. <laughs> Are you just Googling? No. Just not any of these good ones. No, of course I wouldn't have IMDb open in front of me. Anger management. Um, Something's no. got to give. Something's got to give. Yes. Something's got to give. From my head in your oh, face, well Aiden. <laughs> okay. And he's a prick in that movie as well. So right. I think he has like the perfect prickishness to be yeah. an yeah. asshole in whatever he's in. Excuse my language. Aiden, what was yours? Uh, Batman. Yep. Batman. Batman, but, Batman for me too, but I don't think I realised it was Jack Nicholson because I just saw him, because I would have been pretty young, I just yeah. saw him as the Joker. I think the first role as I saw as him would have been probably um, probably as good as it gets yeah, as, oh, really? as Jack Nicholson. Because right. Batman, I don't know, he's got makeup on and you don't really, I don't know, I didn't really realise it was him. I've never seen a Jack Nicholson film I haven't liked on some level. Yeah. Like, even Something's Got to Give, which is not really mm. normally in my wheelhouse. I don't know, he's just got that sort of charisma mm. and personality that it will carry him through even a not, you know, mm. incredible film. And not just his early work. Like, his later years as well. Like, Great, the, the Bucket List. I like The Bucket List. I love The Bucket <laughs> List. It's a good movie. It's, it's a good a movie. Cool film. <laughs> you put Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson together, it's going to be great. Yeah, you have a good time. On Crazy Adventures. It's a good film. <laughs> I know it probably... Wasn't critically acclaimed, but I liked it. Yeah. That's all right. Neither was The Shining. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in 30 years' time, uh, the bucket list will be held in some I'm... sort of high cinematic regard. That blew my mind. I knew that Stephen King didn't like it, um, but I didn't realise that it was critically panned. The Razzies. Yeah. It, I mean, to put Kubrick in as, like, worst director for The Shining? It is such a well-directed film. Yeah. That's mental. So you've seen this and love this film, Aiden. Yeah. When did you see it first? Uh, I would have been in high school. It would have been sort of like maybe in nine or ten. And I think I had a bunch of friends around. And it was probably one of my first Stanley Kubrick movies. It got me into Stanley Kubrick stuff. Right. Um I, I just I was just mind blown by it. Just the the slow tracking yeah. shots, beautifully the music. Oh. Well, interesting. The slow tracking shots, like the opening sequence, is so nice. Like it, mm. that would have cost a fortune back in the day. There is these Slowly days panning over the yeah. landscape, and you can see over like the hills a, and stuff. I think you can see like a helicopter shadow at one point. Well, oh, they, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, these days I was going to say you wouldn't hire a helicopter. Yeah. You just get a drone. You yeah. just fly your jo- drone through. These days they would have got out the helicopter shadow in post. Yeah. Been a bit of scene. <laughs> There. But well, I like that opening because there's a point where it seems to be following the car and then the car goes around the bend and the camera just sort of veers off. Yeah. The the way the camera sort of floats and doesn't really follow the car is, I found, really disconcerting yeah. as well. And it's got that music playing. The music is amazing. It almost reminded me of like <laughs> a spirit know. hovering over the car, tracking him to the hotel. Like I did not really appreciate the cinematography until earlier, sorry, later into the movie. The first part was 
possibly more midday movie for me. Like, it's, uh, it's slow. It's, yeah. it's slow. It's slow. And the title sequence is terrible. You've got yes. this beautiful cinematography <laughs> and then like just this thick yeah. ass light blue font <laughs> just smashes you in the face. blue like a real yeah. 80s number. It's terrible. <laughs> I wonder though, now that you've seen it once and you know the madness that's to come, if you would go to watch it again, I wonder if you'd appreciate the opening more. Because I it's think sort I of, would. You know, I think it lulls I would. you into a bit of a false. Do you know sense. what though? I think that, like, you know how I said the midday movie. I actually think that added to its creepiness for me, oh, nice. possibly because it's old. You know, mm. like even in in the house, you look in uh, Danny's bedroom and there's these Mickey Mouse stickers on the wall, yeah. which at the time would have been it would have looked good. It would have been like a regular kid's bedroom now. That is creepy as <laughs> it looks like some shitty abandoned crèche, you know, already. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, now I think it's creepier possibly because of all of that stuff. I, I get that. Like watching some of the original Twin Peaks now, the oldness of it just makes it a little bit more kind of yes. creepy. While we're talking creepy scenes, let's do a quick whip around the panel creepiest scene in the movie for each of us? What's the thing that got your uh, your goosebumps going the most, starting with you, Eden? Oh, um, I was going to say, like, an obvious one, like, where it, like, really sharp cuts to Danny, the kid's face, as he's, like, in that horror face no, shivering like in white. Like, uh, like, uh, and the silence of that, you know, that's so good. But a creepy scene, um, weird guy dressed as an animal giving a blowjob. Yes! What was that? Oh, my God. There was a few scenes in it, because predominantly... (laughs) (laughs) I looked at that character. I paused the movie. I want, I want oh, everyone I you to. <laughs> I want everyone to go back and look at the guy in the in that costume. Looks exactly like John Candy's character from Spaceballs. <laughs> yes, I thought it was interesting though because the whole way through the film, mostly he's just hallucinating um, the bartender and the old lady in that room that is a young lady and a hot lady and whatever. But then there's that scene, and it's like, yeah. that came from nowhere. Well, well, that wasn't and, even tied in at all. And that's I, I, only Wendy sees that, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so, yeah. That's interesting. Uh, Aiden, what freaked you out? Um, uh, probably when it is the hot woman that turns into um, <sighs> the woman with the skin falling off her. But also, right towards the end, like, honestly, the, the chasing with the axe and her slicing his hand, like, the... The adrenaline and, and, and it's just so pumping at that moment. It's really intense. It's intense. Mm. Carrie? Um, I I would have to agree with you, but I think even before that, when she approaches him and he's typing and he switches from being some sort of regular, you know, loser to suddenly being this misogynistic, violent guy. That I, I don't know, maybe I didn't really see that coming, but that creeped me out the most because she was so timid in that scene and, like, this whole movie stinks of misogynistic undertones and I found that mm. the most um, unnerving. Isn't that beautiful, though, and I think a testimony to the, the skill of the director that an interaction between two people mm. is now being discussed as one of the scariest bits in a mm. movie yeah. full of actual mm. horrific Because it's forewarning. Visuals. Like, you, you knew he was going to get violent towards her, which... Yeah. He does, obviously. Interesting you bring up the misogyny because I thought even well early into the film, like only about 10 minutes into the film, I thought it was very misogynist. When they're showing them around the hotel and um, one of them goes, oh, do you want to show Wendy the kitchen? 
And, yes, and, yes. And, and, my, and my wife goes, oh, Jack doesn't need to see the kitchen? No, of course not. No, it's, only, it's, only, it's only the woman that's going to walk through the I kitchen. I have so many notes about that. Why is she serving him breakfast on a tray or you know, all this kind of stuff? It's so... I don't, I'm not sure if that was the... But 1980. We've yeah, got to remember, this is 30-something right. years ago. That's but whether right. intentionally or not, it now makes Jack even more of a yes, villain, yes. right? Yeah. Like, sure. It's worked beautifully with the progression of women's rights, in exactly. a sense. Uh, while we're talking about that kitchen scene, uh, I want to know what our opinion of, of uh, Dick Halloran, The Shining. I found him really creepy at first, and I... I had only seen the movie once before, and in my mind I was like, is he villainous? Like, is he a bad guy? You know, then he starts, he's like, do you want some ice cream, Danny? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Who, by the way, that actor has the best name ever, Scatman, Scatman Crothers. Yes, yes, that is my first note. As the credits were coming up, I'm like, what? Scatman Crothers? Surely that's yeah. a made-up you name. You could not call your kids Scatman now. I'm pretty sure that Scatman Crothers was also in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest with Jack Nicholson. Correct. Yes, yeah. I Googled it afterwards. Oh, nice. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, actually on that, I'm pretty sure in the '90s he had a big song. Um, skin about my love. I'm a scat man. <laughs> actually, if you Google Scat Man Crothers, the first video for him that comes up is his song "I'm a Nigger Man." Ooh. So, yeah. Check that out. Way to way to bring the tone down. Yeah. Well, I actually say that because <laughs> do you realise now we've we've watched how many movies now for the podcast? Uh, yeah, we've Breakfast watched... Club. Rocky Horror, Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry, and now this one, The Shining. Yeah. 50% of the movies we've watched have the N-word in them. Uh-oh. Again, 50% <laughs> of the films we've watched have been pre-1980. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not intentional, no. but uh, slightly awkward. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of real racist moments in there, isn't there? Mm, I... Not overly, but yeah, it, it definitely is something that stands out these days. I don't think at the time it would have even been mm. considered, but these days it definitely it's I, I, I remember being like super shocked by the fact that, like, essentially, you know, once the movie is kicked off and Scatman Crothers is kind of geared towards being almost the hero, he's coming in to save them, mm. uh, that he d- just gets axed and that was it. Mm. <laughs> like, that really threw me. When which, I first watched it, because I'd seen the Simpsons bit. The which, shinning. The shinning, which we all know and love. <laughs> and where Willie is basically in that role and gets killed straight away and thought it was just a gag, a recurring gag in that episode. Because everyone hates Willie. Because everyone hates Willie and he just dies every time he comes in. I couldn't believe that he actually just dies as soon as he arrives. Yeah. Useless. <laughs> well, is that possibly the you know the the old stable that uh, in a horror film it's always the black dude yeah. that dies first? Yeah. Is that where it started? Possibly, maybe I don't know. After these messages, we'll be right back. I right, just want to do a quick whip around here. Everyone here has got ten seconds to tell the audience something you have been enjoying recently. Doesn't have to be brand new. Might be something you've just been put onto. Uh, from the past, a recommendation, something like that. But like I said, 10 seconds only, so keep them short and sharp and shiny. Going to start with you, Aiden. Bananas, they're good source of protein. Bananas. Oh, wait, oh, wait did, you, did you want a movie or something? You've got uh, four seconds. Yes, I did. A TV show I really like Glow at the moment on Netflix. Okay. All right, 10 seconds. That was up. too quick. Aiden, yes. go. Uh, I'm reading Catch-22 at the moment. Um, it's fantastic. It has uh, just a lot of comedy chapters, and that's about it. Good, good. You had a second to spare. I'll give you 11 seconds next time. Yes. Kerry, 10 seconds. Handmaid's Tale. Amazing. 
Tell us about that. You've got seven oh, seconds. Uh, insanely, insanely horrific, and you can't stop. It's gross and good at the same time. Time up. Well done. Well done, everyone except Aiden. <laughs> and Wait, uh, whoa, whoa. my ten seconds. Just, do you want to time me, Aiden? Do you want to try for some revenge, or uh, should I time myself? I just feel like it wasn't specified that the thing we like has to be a movie or a it's TV not show. It's my first time fruit <laughs> podcast. <laughs> could, could be the first time you'd eaten a banana. <laughs> I can't even find the timer on my phone. Just give me a second. Okay, time starts now. Go. I have uh, been really enjoying the new album by Arcade Fire. It's very upbeat. It's very interesting. It's good, and I'd love to see them again next time they come around. Uh, you got three more seconds. What's the, what's the album called? Uh, everything now. Time's up. No, no, that doesn't count. <laughs> cut, cut the album title out of this edit. <laughs> All right, it's back to the studio. I've got a question. The three out of the four of us here today uh, have at least one child. What's our panel's opinion on children in horror films? Would you let your own child act in this film as Danny or one of the twin girls? Well, mm. I'm going to say no because you can't even watch a horror I film. I hate horror films. This is possibly the only horror film I've really watched. I've watched oh. a couple of semi-horror, but nothing even close to this. I hate them with a passion, so no, I would not. But side note, I was a little bit similar to Danny as a kid. I I got night terrors and no got... No wonder a... you knew what red rum meant. <laughs> <laughs> I could relate to him a little bit because my parents would often, like, they would wake in the middle of the night, I would be screaming something, my eyes would be open, then I would be running around the house and they would be like, what the hell's going on well, with our son? Well, it's been a great podcast <laughs> this week. Uh, we're <laughs> guys in the studio. I was opening up to you guys. I was pouring out my heart of a traumatic childhood and yeah, yeah, I... um. Eden, you don't have children, but would no. you let a child of yours act in a horror movie? I, I, th- I think yes. I mean, I like I said, I don't have kids, so I don't have that sort of connection to a kid. But I would say, yeah, what a great opportunity! <laughs> <laughs> My kid could be an actor in a horror movie, Can you which protect could be the, the child from being messed up, even if they don't really understand. Yeah, but you don't have the music on set. You don't yeah. have the gallons and gallons of blood around yeah. them. I imagine that's, like that's hidden off. the corpses that are covered with blood are coming up to him and being like, "Hey, look at me! I'm all covered in blood." I'm it's pretty just sure though that. Can anyone back oh. this up? The the girl from The Exorcist got seriously messed up. Yeah, and I I I mean I I remember hearing things about that. And also Stanley Kubrick was a mental director, and like Shelley Duvall got messed up. Did she significantly? Yes. Yeah, Doctor Phil. Yeah, which is what? Wendy. She's been on Doctor Phil. She's been on Doctor. Have you seen yeah. that? Well, no, I googled it after the movie. <laughs> Can I, on on Shelley or Wendy or whatever we're calling her. Um, this might this might be slightly sexist, but uh, I found it kind of weird that these days in Hollywood you have to be like ten out of ten to be on film. You have to be a hottie, right. Ma- man or female. I found it very interesting the casting that they were pretty much just plain Janes. Everyone, everyone in the film. You don't get a film in the box office cinema with just normal looking people these days. It's the just doesn't well, happen. Cinema. My third I think so, note yeah. was teeth. Yeah, her yeah. terrible teeth. She had shocking teeth. I couldn't teeth. get past her mouth. I felt like she was struggling to get words out, and it was, like, frustrating to watch Well, her. that's what I mean. Like, but maybe I've been sort of brainwashed to think that anyone in a film has to look gorgeous, and, you know, that's, yeah, it was interesting. Didn't we say the same thing about Dirty Harry, though, that, like, there was no real good-looking hero or anything? It yeah, was just yeah, kinda, like, like, he's just, not buff or he's anything. Not buff or anything. He's, he's just, just, like, a, a regular dude. person. Whereas like any action hero these days has to have muscles upon muscles and yeah. stuff. I like that. I think America's the worst culprit. I think if you go and watch English stuff, 
They'll just throw ugly people in everything. Like they have a real like well, everydayness. Ugly people over there. How do you oh, think? That's true. <laughs> How do you think I guess James maybe Corden? Maybe they're good-looking people. <laughs> yeah. How do you think James Corden got famous or Ricky Gervais? <laughs> it's true, but like they have a really like big thing on like average-looking people. They just cast good actors, and I think that's the strength of the English stuff. Yeah. It's shocking that something like relatability can be shocking in a movie because you've seen so many mm. good-looking people. Mm in um, so many movies. But on Shelley Duvall being messed up, apparently she had to do like several takes, like, oh, like what was it, hundreds of times? He or... messed with her, apparently. Yeah. Stanley Kubrick messed with her so much. He isolated her and argued with her to the point where it says, I, went, I read this on Wikipedia, so it must be true, that Definitely. she gave him clumps of her hair after they had stopped filming it that had fallen out due to the stress of filming mm. that movie. Wow. Mm. Yeah, that's intense. Mm, and she guy. did not good need guy. to lose any more hair because it was pretty thin. Mm. Uh, I think we sidetracked from uh, kids in films. Oh, yeah, Kerry, oh. you've got two girls. Would you sign one of them up? Well, I'm far too lazy to be like a, a mum of a child actor. There's lots <laughs> of rehearsals and stuff. But if I could make a buck... Yep, sure. <laughs> I think my daughter. You're not holding the money over for them until they turn eighteen. Uh, no, nah. I mean on an ethical level. Mum, how much know. money did I make for being in The Shining? Oh, it was, it was just an experience. Yeah, it was, it was for exposure. <laughs> you got a free lunch, and I got a free car and house. Oh. I don't think I don't think kids would be that exposed to the stuff going on. No, well, I saw an interview with uh, some people that uh, they had some kids on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh. And they only gave them the scripts for the pages they were on, but in the table read, they put headphones on them so that they didn't hear all the naughty words or the sexual innuendo or all that sort of stuff. Was that the one where, like, uh, Danny DeVito's character organises, like, a pageant of some kind? I don't know what the episode was, but they were just talking about, like, kids in general on the show and how do you get around the fact that (laughs) they're all decrepit characters. Excellent. Great. (laughs) What do we uh, make of the... Very ending of the film where uh, Jack is chasing Danny through the hedge maze and then suddenly it just basically cold cuts to him being frozen in the ground. I found that really jarring. It was very Home Alone. For me, <laughs> it reminded me of Home Alone. The sticky guess. Bandits. Yeah, the Sticky Bandits getting frozen at the end. I couldn't take it seriously. The chase around the maze was really intense, and yeah. I liked that. I liked the beginning of the chase where, like, basically when Danny sort of, like, runs out from the wall he's been hiding in and then just starts running and he's, like, lurching after him, just screaming out Danny. That beginning of the chase where you can see them both in the same frame. Oh, I love that. It's a great moment. Only a couple of minutes earlier, he has the big catchphrase of, here's Johnny. Yeah. Can someone explain to me, and I've got a one theory, but why does he say, here's Johnny? And not like, Jack. here's Jack. Because that's his character's name. Yeah. yeah. I probably would have been called Johnny as a boy. Like, Jack and Johnny, aren't they like names that are nicknames of each other? Yeah, I think they're sort of a bit interchangeable. I always thought because of Johnny Carson. That's what I thought. Oh. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, Johnny, for those that don't know, the, the late uh, night host, late Johnny night, Carson. Yeah. Was that his intro to his yeah, TV show? Yeah, and now here's Johnny. Yeah, I, that's what I took from it, that yeah. it, that, that was the tie-in that he was... Because he was doing like little pigs and sort of other things. Yeah, little yeah. references and stuff. So that's what I guessed, but I thought maybe there was something else that anyone yeah. thought. Yeah, it's a generally terrifying Homer, moment, though. Homer does the, like, 60 minutes intro. <laughs> From the shinning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
I'm Mike Wallace, I'm Marley Schaefer, and I'm Ed Bradley. All this and Andy Rooney tonight on 60 Minutes. Uh, all right, let's get to the scores. Uh, Kerry, we have a few ways that we rate our movies. The first one is iPhone test. How compelling did you find this movie? Did it keep you glued the entire time? Scores out of five, five being high, zero being low. Uh, I would say five, actually. Five. I didn't touch the nice. phone. Great. Eden? I would say four. I think you can't, like, you know, it... Uh, Nowadays, you might be looking at the phone, but it's an amazing movie. (laughs) This one's tough for me because I would say five out of five, but I was using my phone to sort of shield my eyes (laughs) from the screen. I don't think that counts. I'm giving it a five from you. Like, it's intense. I, I actually was sucked into the whole film, but. But yeah, I was scared and kept looking at my phone and texting you, Dan, because I was like, oh, I, yeah. need a, I need a break from what's happening on the screen. Right. It's just I was scary. actually watching at the same time, I so I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed that. Well, you... our, our wives were texting each other as well, so that's how I knew you were watching it. I was, uh, Geelong were playing last night. Uh, those of you that don't know, I'm a big uh, Geelong Cats football fan. So I, I did look at the scores a few times, but I think if that wasn't the case, I would give it a 5-2. I think even at its slowest moments, it's so oh, it's compelling mm. and mm. perilous. Like You always feel like anything could happen Mm. uh the next category is cultural significance do you feel like now that you've seen the shining are you a more like you know pop culturally aware person i'd say so i think i think i am i think i've filled in a little bit of a gap especially with the googling afterwards and then i suddenly realized what it was i was actually watching i didn't realize it was a stanley kubrick film i just thought it was some horror movie that everyone talks about and now suddenly I feel slightly smarter. You know, amazingly, he only <laughs> made three more movies after The Shining, directed yeah. three more, Full Metal Jacket, Eyes Wide Shut, and I don't know, something else I can't remember. But, yeah, so he re- really slowed down and just stopped making films. Yeah. I really like Full Metal Jacket, though. I oh, hope someone does movie. that soon. Yeah. I never knew that was his until I was looking at his filmography for really? when I was riding up the intro. So, yeah, I'm very impressed. Eden, uh, cultural significance for you? I'd say five. I think it's right up there. Did you give it a score, Kerry? No. Yeah, I'd say five, too. Five and a five. Aiden? I don't think it's that high. Uh, I would give it a three. A three? It's, It's huge in Simpsons world. Yeah. But I don't know whether everyone's seen it. Yeah, I I don't know. I it's a funny one, isn't it? I think it's one of those films that I genuinely feel is like almost on masterpiece territory. I feel like when you see it, you're like, I've actually just seen a great bit of mm. cinema and yep. you feel like a more cultured movie watcher. Mm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a five as well. I was gonna but, say, do you think more people know the phrase here's Johnny from The Shining or from Johnny Carson? I feel like if you'd say, no. what's Here's Johnny from? True, but I don't know whether many people know that Here's Johnny's from The Shining. They know it's from The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> no, they just know it from, oh, it's in a horror film or something. Right. They may even, not know that, the even that is a fairly yeah, true. significant... I stand by my three. <laughs> Last one is returnability. Is this a movie that you would watch again, happily? Or maybe, but like, would you find it compelling Do to you know, watch I again? I found it so terrifying, I probably wouldn't watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> so in a way, but if you were yes. forced to, let's say you were forced to, like or like you know, you're around someone's place and they're like, oh, let's watch The Shining. How would you would you find it interesting to watch again? Yeah, I would. I definitely would. I'd be interested to watch it again for all of the things that you guys were talking about today, not necessarily for the horror part. Yeah. So for those two factors, what would you give it out of five? 
maybe a three. Three. Eden? I'm going to go five again. Ooh. How I, many times I, do you think you've seen it? At least ten, I'd Whoa. say. Yeah, like, I, I love it. And I've seen, I've seen like, those other little sort of documentary movies like Room 237 um, and a bunch of other sort of documentaries about the making of it. Like, it's, it's just so interesting. Mm. Aiden. Big Fat Zero. Not a chance. <laughs> you mentioned to Kerry if you were forced to watch it. Last night, I did feel like I was, watch- I was forced to watch it. Uh, there was parts where I went, oh, maybe I could just um, Google what happens at the end. I don't want to watch this anymore. And I said, no, come on. You're a grown adult. You've got a job to do, a commitment to podcasting. Zero. <laughs> oh, great. I'm going to give it a four. I've seen it once. I didn't race back and watch it, but I think it's a, it's a great flick. And our final one is, uh, is it partner friendly? Is this something you can enjoy with your significant other? Oh, you Kerry? need a partner. You need a partner to watch this. Don't watch it on your need own. Need someone to grip? Yep. Well, this is, this is the first time we've had a female on the podcast. Brings a new dimension to this uh, rating because normally we're speaking for girls. Uh, our partners, you're speaking for a guy, so this might uh, throw a spanner in the works. Yeah, and oh. your partner runs around with his finger <laughs> in your house, going red, red rum, red, red rum. rum. <laughs> so, what are you going to give uh, the partner score? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely a five. A five, five, Eden. My partner score, and I even got to ask Kirsty. We, she was downstairs at the time doing all these other things. Came and upstairs and saw that I was watching The Shining and just happened to sit down for a little bit and then was engrossed in had the film. Had she not seen she, it before? She had seen it before, but loved it. So I'm going to put it four. It's not the kind of movie that she likes, but she does like it. Uh, Aiden, how did your wife... I know you obviously weren't handling it well. Does she handle it better or worse than you? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, we actually did start off watching it together. And she quite enjoyed the beginning of it. She was even telling me things to write down for my notes. And I was like, just watch the film. I don't need your notes. I get it. You like the carpet in the lobby of the hotel. So you're saying when she was saying that, it was probably a little bit like the uh, Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall moment. Where it's like, does <laughs> shut up. When, when you hear the keys, you don't come in here. When I'm watching a movie, wife, I write the notes. 100%. No, no, no. No, no, no. We started watching it. And then she's like, oh, maybe let's just pause it. We'll make some popcorn. And then she never came back to watch the film. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So probably a one. Probably a a one. And towards the end of it, she could see that I was not in pain, but she could see I wasn't enjoying it with my hands over my face and stuff. (laughs) And she she walks over to me and goes, do you need some help? Do you want me to watch it with you? I I could just sit by your side, hold your hand or something. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm a grown man. Uh, That is so good. (laughs) I'd like some more popcorn, please. (laughs) And a hug. Uh, you've given it a one. I have to give it a zero. I just knew I couldn't watch this uh, with her. She probably would have done the same thing as Leah and probably would have watched the first bits, but it wouldn't have taken her long to tap out. Well, she she made it to the 45-minute mark, I think it was, but it was when the kid comes out with uh, strangling marks on his neck, mm. which you and I both were fairly new yeah, parents. Yeah. That just She just couldn't handle yeah. that. It's so distressing. It. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a six week old at home, and so yeah, like I talked a bit, I gave her a bit of an idea of what the movie was about, and you know, we she was awake, so had to be cared for, and and my wife was just like, I don't think from what you're describing that I even want her hearing <laughs> this movie, so I was headphones on on the laptop, uh, so yeah, it's zero from me. And we'll take a moment now to tally up the scores and uh, introduce to you a new segment. <laughs> 
Okay, well, we are all about getting people to discover something for the very first time, but a new segment we're going to roll out today is getting the first timer to tell us about something that they absolutely love. And Kerry, you are going to tell us about Goodwill Hunting. You've got 30 seconds to convince our listeners today that that is something that they need to go back and discover. I'm hot on the timer today, as Aidan found out earlier. Your time begins now. I would have to say... You can't go past 1990s Matt Damon. He is in fine form. Acting or are you talking about physical? Mm, I'm saying a little bit of both. (laughs) (laughs) It's just such a good movie. It's gritty. And I reckon probably the bit that is the best, if you like Robin Williams, he's at his peak scary in that movie. What about Ben Affleck haters out there like me? Is he, you know... he doesn't really get far. Good. Time's movie. up. That's good. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you, Kerry. So if you want to uh, pervert Matt Damon, why don't you uh, go and get yourself a, a copy somehow of Good Will Hunting. All right, let's get back to talking about The Shining. Fun fact about the uh, carpet patterns. Mm. There's a theory, I think that was in the movie, the documentary Room 237, that uh, Stanley Kubrick was trying to tell the world that he faked the moon landing for NASA and the US government. <laughs> How? Revealed in the, the carpet car- patterns. Re- revealed in the carpet patterns being, I-, I can't remember the exact details, but like the same shape as the like lunar module. Oh. The fact that he changed the room number from 217 in the book to 237 because that's the number of miles or something it was between Earth and the moon. That uh, Danny, when he's playing on the carpet patterns, is wearing an Apollo 11 uh, rocket jumper on. And there were probably a few other things that people threw in there. I think it's a crackpot theory, personally. (laughs) What year year was the moon landings? Does anyone know? 66, I think it was. Okay, so he directed Spartacus, which was a huge movie. He was also doing 2001 A Space Odyssey. So there's like, he was a big director, talented, could film other worlds. You might go to him. It could have been 69, the moon landing, which I think 66 was... Um, 2001 Regardless Space Odyssey. We know he was a very established director. Absolutely. Moon, moon landing was 69 for the record. Uh, July. <laughs> July. Yeah. Oh. I hate moon landing conspiracy Me theories, too. but I Me like too. that one now because it's connected to the shine. <laughs> All right. The scores have been tallied up and Stanley Kubrick's The Shining is a runaway First place getter now on the My First Time leaderboard with a score of 44.25 out of 60, easily knocking off the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which only had a score of 34.5. So by nearly a full 10 points, The Shining is our new number one rated pop culture experience. Straight to number one. Wow. For a film that won Razzie Awards. Yeah, well, nominated for one. Oh, just quickly on that Razzie Award nomination. I think that's what the Razzies should do now. I think the Razzies are such a joke now because they just pick the crappest movies. They're like, oh, and the winner of the Razzie is Sharknado 3. And you're like, no, that's just like beating up on, like, the crippled kid. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you might as, like, pick on the movie, pick on the great director who should have made a good movie. Like, pick on the the failed blockbuster more than just, like, the crap straight to, you know... DVD movie. For those that don't know, the Razzies is the equivalent of the um, 
It's not Loki's. What is the... Um... <laughs> it is the oh, equivalent like, of the Loki's. Like, no, the Darwin Awards? <laughs> Oscars. It's the equivalent of the Oscars, but for bad films. It's the Logies. Yeah. The Logies, <laughs> yeah. Awards for bad stuff. No, the Logies is Australian television. It's movies. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> that, was a, that was a strangely fierce defence of Australian TV awards. Well, night. I like our industry. I... I support Australian-made things. We are technically in the industry. <laughs> physically, physically. Physically in the building. No, but I think what, my point is nothing good ever wins at the Logies. No, that's true. Like, the great stuff wins, like, the silver Logie yeah. that, like, gets given out, like, in the back room. Yeah. And it's always like, always Lisa McCune. Or Bert Newton. John Wood. <laughs> Basically people from Blue Heelers, right? Yeah. They're still winning the gold Logie to this day. Uh, all right, well, thank you very much for joining us in the studio, oh, Kerry. Thank you for having me. And introducing us to the madness of The Shining. Well, join us on our next uh, pop culture experience as we uh, get comedian slash writer James McCann into the studio to look at... I'm going to see Kerry. What, when you think Tom Hanks, what is, what is the role that comes to your mind? Bingo! In one, we are looking at Forrest Gump uh, next time with James McCann. Going to be great. Thank you for listening. Remember to, you know, subscribe, review, rate, follow us on Instagram, etc. Thank you for listening. Can I just peek behind the curtain there? You weren't sure how to wrap it up and you uh, paused for a second and was like, oh, what am I doing? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Instagram and all that stuff. Is that right? Is that? Yeah. Yep. Good. Okay. I hope this makes the edit. (laughs)